a loss. Earwax. Hi, and welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And today we're talking about fan theory. What up, ladies and gentlemen? The theories <laughs> that us fans have come up with. Oh, thank some you. Some of these whack, whack theories and some of these fun oh. theories. Yeah, I'm probably going to offend some of you today, and I'm sorry <laughs> for that, but I feel very many of you probably. And if there's many, then we're going to have a problem. <laughs> but anyways, welcome to the episode. Woohoo! Wow. Still in quarantine. Woo! Still in quarantine. It's like day number 75. What? That actually seems pretty accurate. Did you just pull that out of your butt, Jenny? No. The other day, somebody tweeted and was like, day number 73. And I took them at like face value. So I just added a couple days. I know tomorrow is the my week 10 of being in quarantine just because that's how I keep up with my assignments. Like for my teaching <laughs> classes, I have to like number it by weeks. So I know tomorrow starts week 10. But that's about it. That's crazy. Ten weeks. Yep. Here we are, ladies and gents. <laughs> the well, gif of Sirius yelling in the shrieking track, the shrieking shack, <laughs> screaming like, "I did my waiting. Twelve years of it. And I, was I feel like that's very appropriate for us right now. Absolutely. It is. It's very appropriate, and especially because like now, like the country's starting to slowly open up, so we're all like. We're like ready, but like we're not. And like a part of me is kind of like, I want to see what happens to everyone first. Like I have a very like Darwinism mentality right now. That <laughs> is really bad. literally my plan. I'm like, I'm going to see how it goes and then I will act. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting and watching right now. One day, bro. One day I'm going to make it to Home Goods and it's going to be glorious. <laughs> oh, Home Goods is calling my name. I know. I'm so tired of like my same four walls that I just constantly want to redecorate. At least you have Aww. stuff on your walls. I have naked walls. They're empty. But they're beautiful. Just the way they are. I don't like you too. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Hydrangea has been waiting patiently. She wants to see you guys. I know. <laughs> She misses you guys. I'm going to show you. It's like, hello, oh, Hydrangea. You can see her. She's so cute. It sucks that our our listeners can't see her, but she's very cute. We she's should like, cute. post a picture of her and be like, look at this cute little owl. We should. She lives with Elizabeth. She does. Hydrangea's our bird, and she brings our bi-weekly owl post for our episodes yeah. which are all the questions you all send us yeah so if you want to be featured by hydrangea and <laughs> us please send us owl posts when we post them on our social media yeah elizabeth a grown woman is holding an owl plush toy <laughs> on her shoulder <laughs> and like snuggling it almost with her face fun fact since i have to do telehealth sessions with my kiddos I actually use hydrangea a lot. My kiddos are very big fans of her. Oh my god, she's saving kids. I can't. Yeah. She does such important work. She is. She's an essential worker, guys. Hydrangea is an essential worker. Love her. <laughs> I love all the love that hydrangea has gotten lately. Yeah, for real. Remember when Elizabeth she thought hydrangea was an ugly name? I did. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's grown on me. Remember when Elizabeth said that Draco Malfoy was a mediocre character? All right. I do. We're not we're not getting into this again. Wow. This has all been put in the past. <laughs> we're here for fun, whack fan theories. That's my fan theory that Draco Malfoy was a superb character. Oh dear lord. Anywho. Okay, okay so I have a first... question before we get into outposts. I feel okay. like this is going to be a really fun episode. I feel like it's going to be kind of crazy because we're talking about all sorts of situations. But I also feel like we need to give our listeners a little spice because we're still in quarantine. So my question to Elizabeth, can we make this Broom Chicks Unleashed? Ooh, she's thinking about it real hard. Uh, she's weighing her options. Editor. No, because we like just did it. Uh, we just did it like two oh episodes ago. God. Uh, I wish we had we can some. control ourselves. We have young fans. Fans. <laughs> Whatever. I don't like Elizabeth either today. I'm not <laughs> odds with both of my co-hosts. What what did I do? You had ice cream in front of me, knowing full well that I didn't have ice cream. This is what I have to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm here just existing. <laughs> And Jenny attacks me. That's just And I'm the only one that loves Jude Law as much as she does. Oh my god, I love you again. I love that man. Okay, we really need to move on to Jude Law because I'm pretty sure we're gonna lose listeners if we keep mentioning him. We should do an episode about him. I mean, eventually Eventually. we'll get there, I guess. We'll get there and then I'll put it like a very big exclaimer, like like disclaimer. Don't listen to this episode if you're not a fan of Jude Law. (laughs) Everyone is a fan of Jude Law. Exactly. Anyways, (laughs) Hydrangea has been waiting very patiently for these shenanigans (laughs) to be over with. (laughs) And she has brought some two very important outposts. Our first outpost is from ariana oh my god yes (laughs) can we just talk about ariana for a hot second i know i do this every time but i legitimately love that girl she's so cool that's it i do i love her we saw you that you updated like one of your profile pics with like our shirt and i almost cried we stalked your fans on twitter (laughs) clearly yeah we're, you're like fans of us. We are fans of you. Yes. I, we've said it before and we will say it again. You are still the only person who owns a broom chick shirt outside of the broom chicks. And patrons. And patrons. Oh, true. That's true. Join our patrons. Patrons now have a broom chick shirt. Do you like my <laughs> shameless plug? If you yeah. want to be one of this exclusive party, join our Patreon. See what's up. A-A-A. Woohoo. All right, so Ariana, uh, she's so we had our uh, fans submit like their own like fan like their favorite fan theories, and um, the fan theory she submitted was that Harry is immortal due to the prophecy: either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. Were you so excited um, that she wrote that so that you could read it again? Well, I mean, I'm just happy whenever the prophecy is mentioned because I love the prophecy. But um, yeah, I definitely heard this fan theory a lot, yeah. and I actually think that this might be a semi-valid one. Ooh, um, I just because it really mm. focuses on the part of the prophecy that people ignore, which is like either must die at the hand of the other. 
So it's kind of like implying that like since Harry didn't die by Voldemort's hand or like he did, but now that Voldemort's like dead, dead, (laughs) he can't die again because he has to die by his hands. I disagree. And it brings up, I'll tell you why I disagree, but it also brings up another question in my mind. Um, First, I think because Voldemort did kill him, and then he went to that, like, weird in between, and, like, technically, like, he killed the Horcrux inside Harry or whatever. Like, Harry was technically dead anyway. So I feel like maybe that would just kind of nullify it. Like, Harry did die, but then he came back. So for me, it's like the prophecy was fulfilled, and then that's, like, life after the prophecy. Like, I just feel like it ended, and that's the loophole. But then it makes me think, like, if Horcruxes are, like, a bit of the soul... Does that count? Like, why could other people destroy Horcruxes that were Voldemort's? Like, why did it have to be by Harry's hand? Like, why could Ron destroy a part of Voldemort's soul that was living in the locket if Voldemort could really only die by Harry's hand? But technically, those are pieces of Voldemort. I guess you could argue. I guess you could argue and say that it's just a piece and it's not, like, permanent. It's not a permanent death. So... Maybe that's why he could get it. I, I, I kind of have to agree with you. Like, I don't, I wouldn't really see this fan theory as like legit. Um, just because it's once the prophecy was kind of like fulfilled by Lord Voldemort dying, like, that's it. Like, the prophecy was fulfilled. Moving on. This is life after the prophecy. Yeah. But I don't know. I would also have to say, like, I think this fan theory, as interesting as it is, like, it just kind of takes the words quite literally. And if that's the case, then, like, you could also argue that how were both of them living if the others, like, the other was surviving, you know? Because that there is that second part where it's like, uh, for neither can live while the other survives, but clearly they were both living at the same time at some point. So it's like... Uh, like if you take it yeah. literally as that, then that wouldn't necessarily work as well. So I just don't know. It's interesting. And, it, and it's true. Like if you really like nitpick the words, either must die. It doesn't say both must die mm-hmm. either. Ooh. So either or are usually hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they didn't have to both die by each other's hands. Only it's just, one of them had to kill the other and then one of them had to survive. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And also like I in a way like I kind of don't want it to be true because I feel like that's really sucky for Harry to end up being immortal after all of this. For sure. For real. And all of his loved ones die like that's like Eh. that's what he loves most about his life like yeah no that's like never ending torture for him like no. Not about it. Um, but thanks for that theory. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, the other theory is that she submitted is another big one that I love. Yes, and is that um Crookshanks is actually James and Lily's cat. Yes. yes. Um, so we learn obviously at some point that the Potters had an orange cat, and when Hermione gets Crookshanks. Uh, they tell her that Crookshanks has been there for quite some time. They don't specify the time. They just like say like, oh, you know, this poor cat hasn't been adopted because he's ugly, basically. Um, he also has a very like strong affinity for chasing Wormtail and like specifically Wormtail. 
um, and just hangs out with Sirius when he's in his animagus form. So there's like kind of like this theory that Crookshanks knows who they are when they're outside of their animagus form. So that's why Crookshanks kept on trying to attack Scabbers and just piled around with Sirius. Yeah. Um, so that was very interesting. It makes me, like it makes me so emo. Yes. I have like, a pin for it, by the way. Ooh. Pin, pin. Pin in it. Thank you, Elizabeth. Our soundboard is slacking with the pins. Uh, who are you talking about? Who? You. What? <laughs> who? <laughs> what? <laughs> I really, it's a new really soundboard like mixer we got today. It's so not a cute one. My question is that, um, not a question. I guess it's more of like a fact. I read when I was looking up this um, theory, the word could not come to me, um, that Crookshanks is actually half measle. Mm-hmm. So I was just like curious about that. Like, what do you I, mean? Is that like a normal pet to have like in a wizarding household? A I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it is. Um, it is a normal pet to have. And measles apparently can kind of uh, get away with like looking like appearing like cats. Mm-hmm. Um, at least if like a muggle were to look at it, they're like, oh, it's just a freaky looking cat. Um, so it's common if a cat and a measle were to procreate. <laughs> it's not a it's not a weird thing to look at. The only problem is is because of that, because it's a half breed basically, mm-hmm. that the cat it's got it it's a cat, but just like an ugly looking cat because the measles have such like very like edgy specific looking like features about them. Um they're I- they kind of look like lynx, like lynxes. I don't know Ooh, if I'm saying it correctly. Look at you. You are. Ooh. I'm so proud. Yay. For everybody who doesn't know, that's You're so proud of yourself. Yes. Looks like a little bobcat. Look at up. They're cute. But yeah. my next thing was, don't measles, and I could be wrong, so this is hashtag allegedly, but don't measles have the ability to, like, sniff out liars? Ooh. I think you're right. Yeah. Isn't that a thing? So then my my question would be, like, when they trusted the wrong person with their secret to be secret keeper like did the cat have some sort of dislike already of peter pettigrew maybe like maybe how cool would that be like if peter's just like walking up in the house and like all of a sudden this cat's just like i hate you no one can figure out why i i i love this theory i would hope that one day you know jk rowling is like oh this is gonna be canon boom because I just think it's so cool. It would be it would be so nice, but I don't know. Well, we probably won't get that, but it's nice to hear. This is the one one yeah. of my favorite fan theories. There's so. a lot about Crook things yeah. out there. I have the pin is like another theory about him that I'm going to present. But another one that I didn't really touch upon and I don't really like either is that it's actually Lily Potter. Oh no, I don't like yeah, it. No. It's out there. But also, like, wouldn't that like? completely nullify all of harry's love magic literally yeah, but also like how does she just get stuck in cat form like that's and if that would have to be her. a that would have to be like a blood curse but again i'm not i'm not uh but, but, entertaining this fan but, theory I don't like oh it. like you mean like a maledictus or whatever yeah yeah because that's how that's how you could get stuck but i'm not using that as an excuse even I if like- that exists because it does no like lily potter potter is dead Yes, yes. She's not Crookshanks. But the theory, like, it's problematic because, like, even if it, it is. was Harry Potter, was she half-kneesel the whole time? Like, it's weird. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a fan. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Um, she submitted a third theory. And this one is uh, she she called it silly. I like it though. <laughs> um uh is that Rita Skeeter is actually JK Rowling and the Wizarding World and Harry are all real. Don't we want this um, to be real? Oh yes. I know. So this is actually a theory that has like has been around for a while. Yeah. Um, I would say basically since like the Rita Skeeter Skeeter. Skeeter. Did you hear me? Rita Skeeter. Uh <laughs> character was introduced mm-hmm. um people were immediately speculating that you know that was jk rowling um like the whole thought was that you know this is jk rowling like going against the wizarding world because the wizarding world like shunned rita skeeter and that's why she's you know revealing all their secrets yeah um she wrote an expose she yeah an expose um so i have several points to this Ooh. that I feel like oh, girl. make it Let me untrue. Away. Ooh, give it to us. Wait, no. The first one. Sad. That is true. I will be sad, but I want <laughs> it. No, I mean, like, obviously, as a Harry Potter fan, I would love nothing more than this theory to be true because then that means, like, the Wizarding World exists, like, even though we're obviously no matches or muggles or whatever, Ugh. like, just the thought <laughs> of, like, having it out there already brings me comfort, but... Anyways, mm-hmm. so the first one was actually brought to me by Raul when I told him about yes! this theory. And he's the best broom chick. My favorite broom chick. Uh, he basically said, uh, readers, Rita Skeeter's not a good enough writer to do this. Oof. <laughs> LOL. Ooh. LOL. I'm going to disagree with Raul there. Oh, how do we not know that she was a good writer? Maybe she was just writing all those stories to make money because the girl knew where the tea was. She could be a good writer. Who knows? But I I just really like how like Raul is so quick to do the burn. I loved it. Savage. He's not frequently savage, but when it comes out, it's glorious. Um, And the other theory, like the other thing that I'm thinking about is also I feel like if this was true, it would have a very negative connotation on the Harry Potter world and the wizarding world, because now it's no longer this beautiful story that JK Rowling invented and created for us. It's now a vengeful story that is, Oh, I see what you're saying. That is like its purpose is to destroy those characters and those people in this story that we love. And I don't like that. I don't like that negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know so many of us love harry potter and look to it for positivity and look for it to light and to think that like the creator was doing it all negatively i'm not i'm not a fan of you're real pure um (laughs) and i guess i have a lot of thoughts on this one i'm sorry if i'm rambling Eh. um and then like the third thought that i had on this one was just like it also just puts like jk rowling in a more negative light i guess like why would jk rowling talk about herself in the way that she talks about rita skeeter girl that's like, a perfect cover <laughs> i know it's a perfect cover but like i don't know like it's just weird and then like also like if jk rowling is rita skeeter like i already am not like 
Joe's number one fan. But to have like all this be true too, like uh, again, it just leaves a very sour taste of the series. And I don't want Harry Potter to have a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. I do have a lot of feelings. But I just feel like you are so pure in your intention. I'm just over here like, I don't really care if you did it out of vengeance. Like, if that means that the wizarding world is real, okay, good. Go get your vengeance, girl. I'm going to go get me a broomstick. It's going to be fine. That's where I'm at with my life. <laughs> Do you have any additional thoughts on that theory, Marianne? I mean, I just I don't want to think about a world where, like, the wizarding world exists and I'm not in it. Oh like, my God, I can't sad. think about it. But also, yeah. also, like, I don't want to condemn some, like, poor boy to, like, having both of his parents die and then, like, live in a horrible home for all those years. Like, it's sad. Yeah. So I guess, you know. Oh, no, man. I'll be on like, your side. Half of me, half of me wants <laughs> it to be real, but the other half is like, if it's real, I want to know about it. I want to live in it. I mean, yeah. yeah but then Serious FOMO. Yeah. Don't say serious. Ah, that means he really would have died. Oh, man. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't like this theory. It's over for me now. <laughs> Too many emotions. Too many emotions are happening. All right. Thank you, Ariana, for all of those beautiful fan Yay. theories. We got some big ones. Um, our next set of, or a fan theory, mm -hmm. is from Dominique. Ooh, Dominique. <laughs> and uh, her fan theory that she submitted is that Harry, Snape, and Dumbledore are the three Peveril brothers. Yes. yes. I remember this, this like early Tumblr days where it's like you would find a graphic and it's like they're clearly like hinting at this fan theory. Like that's what this fan theory reminds me of is those really early Harry Potter stand Tumblr days. You know that when it's about Tumblr, girl, it's good. Yes. Oh, yeah. So for those of you who might not know what me and Jenny are talking about, so basically the fan theory is, um, so Dumbledore is the oldest Peveril brother. He's the one with the Elder Wand. Uh, Snape is the second Peveril brother. He's the one with the Resurrection Stone. And then Harry would obviously be the youngest Peveril brother, and he's the one with the Invisibility Cloak. Um, for this one, as much as it's fun and it reminds me of my Tumblr days, I, this one's not as easy for me to believe. Um, I think it would be easier for me to believe if you were to switch out Dumbledore for Voldemort, um, just because I think it'd be like really good symbolism, uh, for Voldemort as like the oldest Peveril brother with the Elder Wand, you know, he's the kind of character that's always like searching for power, um, and has that searching for power kind of end up being his demise. Um, and then Snape, even though like he doesn't really have a connection with the uh, Deathly Hallows in the books, as far as we know, like we do know that he doesn't really have a good understanding of love. Like he kind of confuses that with uh, obsession and possession and control and stuff like that. And then obviously we do know Harry already has a connection to the invisibility cloak. Um, and he's just kind of always had that, um, that outlook of like accepting his circumstances, like accepting death, um, even if it's not like exactly death, but accepting kind of like the life that he's been given as the chosen one, and then making the best out of his life. So that's kind of what the invisibility cloaks like re resembles, right? Is like, we know that death is kind of inevitable, but 
the last Peveril brother chose the invisibility cloak to kind of avoid death as for as long as he could to kind of get the most out of his life and be resourceful that way. And I think that's a really big, like kind of character development, like hint back at Harry. Um, but I mean, I, I, I like the fan theory still, like, even if I might not necessarily 100% like agree with it. And I also kind of like this fan theory because it reminds me of the idea that Dumbledore is death. Um, that fan theory. Um, this one is actually one of J.K. Rowling's favorites as well. Um, but basically, so we know that Harry it dies in Deathly Hallows, um, and it kind of just the the whole idea resembles back to like he's greeting death uh, like an old friend, and in that la in that scene after he dies in Deathly Hallows, um, he's greeting Dumbledore in his death. Um, so it's I don't know, like I I read that and I was like that is so cool, like. I really like that concept, that idea. Um, and it just kind of goes back to something without necessarily like exactly re uh, referring back to it, but it's nice. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I like the the fan theory, like Dumbledore's death just because mm -hmm. of that line, like, and Harry greets him as an old friend. But yeah. um, I mean, I see where you're coming from where with the last fan theory that you were talking about switching out Dumbledore and Voldemort obviously mm -hmm. Voldemort is seeking that power but I feel like in Dumbledore's younger years he was really seeking out that power and that was like a big problem for him and he mm -hmm. kind of recognized it and corrected it but he was yeah. also controlling in a lot of the situations like he did have a certain amount of power yeah and I feel like Dumbledore does represent that in a way so I understand that theory yeah with Dumbledore in that spot but I just have issues with it because Harry is actually related to a Peveril brother and so like, is Voldemort. Yeah, but also like Dumbledore and Snape aren't. So it's like, it's just kind of. Yeah, it's just, I think it's more like, that's why I don't really kind of agree with the fan theory. It's more so to do with like symbolism. Like yeah. I think it's just kind of like a, like a, like a symbolizing, symbolizing factor. And the only reason why I would switch out Voldemort and Dumbledore is because Dumbledore's demise wasn't for searching power. Like his demise was probably if anything like trying to take away power from Voldemort while Voldemort was literally his demise both times was in search of power that's the only reason why I would switch it because I agree with you like I think Dumbledore still had all of those like kind of manipulative qualities but Voldemort was definitely more so relatable to that elder that older Peveril brother who died because you know he was showing off the elder wand and his power and stuff like that like it's just a closer correlation funny that mind. you bring up the elder one yeah elizabeth, elizabeth what are your thoughts so at first when you were when you were explaining this theory right now i was hella confused because i was like wait is this theory like mean like like literally they are the Pavarol brothers or like figuratively because like i can understand figuratively mm -hmm. them symbolizing the Pavarol brothers but it does not make sense literally yeah. because we know of that direct line of harry is related to ignatius or ignatius and then voldemort is related to the the peveril brothers with the resurrection resurrection stone yeah like we we know that as fact yeah so i don't understand it in a literal sense i really hope people meant it like figuratively that's what they represent I, and like yeah. i i totally see that i don't see dumbledore again with the elder wand i really think it is voldemort um and snape i do like snape as the idea of like symbolizing the brother with the resurrection stone because of his obsessive love mm -hmm. um and i feel like if he had the resurrection stone he probably would have brought back lily in a heartbeat 
he wouldn't have even considered that it's like a half-life for her um he would just want her back it's so funny that y'all keep saying that dumbledore you can't see him as the brother with the elder one when he literally has the elder one i know i know i know he he had the elder one but like i think what differentiates i dumbledore you guys i just think yeah 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 but like what really differentiates like dumbledore and like Voldemort as like the elder wand brother is the fact that Dumbledore was able to have possession of the elder wand and never let that overcome him Mm -hmm. everyone else who's ever had possession of the elder wand let that literally overcome them and that was their demise if it like Dumbledore died with the elder wand like no one would have ever known that thing would have been buried with him yeah it was if Voldemort hadn't come after it like it would have that's it it would have been done it would have been great but no that's not where our story went. <laughs> so wow, these are good fan theories. Thanks, everyone. Wow, that was a good outpost. It was. it was. I really liked it. Our outposts lately have been on fire. Thanks, guys. Join in on the fun if you haven't already. <laughs> that was such a shameless plug. Okay, moving on to our next segment. My favorite one. We've gone mental. Mental. If you weren't here for the last episode, I thought it would be appropriate that we add a new segment called We've Gone Mental, not only because Ron, but because quarantine, and it's really driving us nutballs. So Elizabeth did a segment last week, but she's going to do a segment again this week because it's so good. We just had to give it to her. Yeah. Um, it's not me going mental this time. It's actually my poor daughter, uh, Julie. Uh, so for those of you who don't know my daughter, Julie, she's almost a year and a half old (laughs) and I know it's crazy. And so like with this age comes, um, stronger emotions in the beginning (laughs) of tantrums. And unfortunately for Julie, she's a very social baby. Like she loves being around people. Mm -hmm. She loves socializing with everyone. So she's actually struggled with just socializing with me and Raul. Like she loves us, but like she likes seeing other people. So I think she's just been feeling the emotions a little bit extra lately. If you know child development, like near 18 months, there's a bunch of milestones and a lot of new like neuron connection. So like that's why like a lot of kids just they ju- they're just going through the ringer at 18 months old, like poor babies. And so my daughter, everyone mm-hmm. had her first full fledged tantrum this week. Amazing. Yeah. Breathtaking and never been done before. <laughs> so good. I, f- I felt so bad because unfortunately with my job, I mean, my job is to correct behavioral issues in children. So I deal with tantrums like day in and day out. That's just like what I do. So when she started her tantrum, like <laughs> we were we were laughing because it was it was quite a show. It really was like she. I'm sorry. I think she's going to be in drama or something. Yeah, she is. That is reinforcement of the behavior. I know. I was trying so hard. Every like ABA in me was like, don't laugh. You're going to reinforce it. Don't laugh. But it wasn't for attention. It was because I took away something from her. So that's why I was like, okay with it. I wasn't attention based. Um, But she was literally like flopping herself on the floor and just like Aww. looking me and roll dead in the eye, like yelling. <laughs> but then like it it transitioned. I'm sure we all remember in our childhood, like a tantrum or something that got you so upset that like you got to the point of like emotional no return. 
until you exhaust yourself and you're doing like that hyperventilating crying you can't catch your breath and like she got there that was like the first time she's ever made it to that point I felt so bad and I was like oh my god like nothing was working and 15 minutes later she just like cried herself to sleep oh <laughs> peanut I can't I, at that point I was crying with her everyone oh. like, that's what I was oh. doing Wait like, oh. I'm, I'm sorry I'm not giving you back your binky <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a stupid water Listen, bottle of course let me tell you, this our segment is over. Thank you, Elizabeth. Beautiful contribution. So sorry for your daughter. But let me tell you a story about Julie that happened this week. Okay? Obviously, oh. I have a lot of work to do because I live farther away than everyone else. So I really got to score big points often. Okay? Oh. So Julie knows how to use the phone and FaceTimes the group chat that we have with our friends. There's like five Stop of us. Stop it. Yes. And... I see that she's FaceTiming and I'm at work and the professional that I am, I'm like, I'm picking this up. So I get on the phone. Julie is on there with several of our friends and Julie, bless her, loves giraffes. And what do I work with? Giraffes. So I'm like so excited because I'm like, oh my God, I can show her like a real life giraffe. Like she is going to be so astounded by the majesty so I FaceTimed her from work with these beautiful, majestic animals, and Julie could literally not even care less. She was <laughs> like, Whatever, bro. We just walked away. It was literally, hilarious. I was like, but you loved your <laughs> I was like, stop it. My favorite, if it, oh, it was so good. My favorite part of that call. You, oh. Go ahead, Marianne. <laughs> My favorite part of that call was the point that, like, there was a after she had like Facetime called all of us, and a few of us had gone there. She ran away with Elizabeth's phone. Like it was so funny. She was just like, "All right, um, I'm talking to my friends. Hey, hi, how are you?" <laughs> I just thought I was if gonna it, be like the coolest, and I was not. I know, I know. I thought it was gonna be too. But if it makes you feel better, Jenny, she did not nap that day. So she was going on like 10 to 11 hours of being awake. And that's a lot for a little body. We're going to try again. So she didn't like anything. (laughs) I was just She didn't even want to watch Daniel Tiger, man. That's when you know. My coworkers looked at me and they were like, are you FaceTiming right now? And I was like, yeah, there's a kid. I got to show her some giraffes. Sorry. Got to (laughs) go. And I literally (laughs) ran like across the barn. I was like, I have to show her. And then she was like. Girl, no one cares. She'll like them in person, I promise. She better, because if not, we're going to have a serious discussion about wildlife (laughs) and the importance of them. She started trying to make an an elephant noise because her favorite book is the Deer Zoo that Jenny gave her for her birthday. And one of them is that where Raul performs? Yes, Raul oh performs God. this book every night. Oh he God. acts out all of the animals. Yes, he does. Wait, hold on. Side note. Elizabeth texted us one day and she was like, Jenny, what sounds do giraffe makes? Because Raul makes a sound when he reads the book and we think it's pretty good. Julie loves it. Giraffe are like completely silent. I so I want to know what noise he was making while reading this book. I don't even remember. He his iteration of the giraffe changes on almost a nightly basis because he hasn't found one (laughs) that like fits because it don't make noise i know and julie herself like whenever she like flips through the book she gets confused because all the other animals make noise and that one doesn't 
she started to imitate the elephant today. She was like raising her trunk Aww. and like trying to make the noise. She started trying to like spit like a camel. It was really cute. Hey, John. Oh All right. Thanks everybody anyway. for listening to us gush about this human child. <laughs> I know. I'm really sorry, guys. It's just she's really cute, and I'm a mom that word vomits. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the fan theories that we picked out to share with you guys. There were so many options, but we narrowed it down to several. And so we will start with one that I found on Reddit. Uh, This is by Reddit user Cavalioness, and it's about Arthur Weasley. Basically, the fan theory is that Arthur Weasley was one of the legitimate victims of the Imperius Curse, and they kind of use um, the feud i guess you can call it that he has with lucius malfoy in support of um like that theory or whatever saying that lucius kind of claimed that he was under the imperious curse and it's kind of why he escaped any persecution once voldemort like half died or whatever it was that happened half died (laughs) (laughs) so um so they say that arthur is just like so upset with him and they have this real thing because he was actually a legitimate victim and he hates that lucius malfoy is like falsely claiming to be the victim um, and they also say that that's why he never rose higher in the ministry, despite being a pureblood. Um, and Molly does say that he was held back at the ministry because of his obsession with muggles, but they are assuming that that's like a lie or a cover up for why he didn't like progress further in his career. Um, but I don't know. I'm not really a fan of this theory, to be honest with you. Mike, I have a question. I mean, like. That's fine and dandy and all, but what did he do for them to say that he was under the impression of yeah. the Imperius curse? You well, know? that's another thing. Is like, first of all, I mean, Lucius moved up and he was claiming that he was falsely under the Imperius curse. So why wouldn't Arthur? But also, like, wouldn't we have known what Arthur supposedly did under the Imperius curse? I mean, yeah. I don't know how it works at the Ministry of Magic, but if it was Muggle World in the United States, that would be public record and anybody could mm-hmm. look it up. But I just feel like the wizarding world is full of gossip and everybody knows everything. So I feel like that too. there must have been some rumor about like, oh, Arthur, like he did this or that. And he was under the Imperious Curse. Like, I, I feel like it would have been a bigger thing that was talked about. True. Yeah. Like, I can see, like, I can see where they're going. But also, I can see, like, the wizarding world just being petty because he likes muggles. Yeah, 100%. I, I think, think it's more, more of so. that. I think yeah. it would obviously yeah. be more leftover bias about like the whole muggle wizard relation stuff mm-hmm. that held him back more than anything but yep that's just i me. think so i also think that molly would be like f those people like you're not gonna work for them like they're horrible like if that's really what was happening <laughs> i feel like molly would have had a big opinion about it yeah all right so the next one that i want to bring up is controversial <laughs> You had to take a deep, deep inhale and exhale for that one. So I'm going to try and be very respectful, especially of Andrin, our patron, because I know that he likes this theory, (laughs) but I do not. I am not a fan, but basically we're going to talk about the Dumbledore is Ron theory. So God, there is a fan theory that someone out there made up. That basically, Ron is a time-traveling Dumbledore. And I have issues. So the first support that they list for their theory is that they have a quote-unquote uncanny resemblance. And so, um, 
there's like a couple of things in his physical appear or in both of their physical appearances I that they use. <laughs> I can't even get through it because this is so ridiculous. Um, so basically, some of the things that they say are that Ron and Dumbledore both have long noses. They are tall. They are, I think, skinny. I don't know if that's like the actual term that the official theory uses. Um, they both like socks. I can't. And that these things are described, like at least the physical appearances, every time that they like, you know how J.K. Rowling will like reintroduce Ron or whatever or Dumbledore and she'll give like a list of their appearances again. Every single time that they describe Ron and Dumbledore in the books, apparently, they use those same descriptors. And I just feel like we're really trying to cling to something here. Okay. The next one. Dumbledore is described as having long fingers. Long fingers, everybody. It's making me upset. I guess Ron also has large fingers hands which i guess means that he has long fingers too but whatever i guess we'll just ignore that voldemort also has long fingers and he's not time traveling <laughs> dumbledore but that's fine <laughs> dumbledore is very old so he has white hair when we see him but previously when harry like visits 50 years ago or whatever in the pensieve or i'm sorry in the diary he is described as having auburn hair which to me, Auburn is different from flaming red Weasley hair, but that's okay. So that's another connection that they try and make. <laughs> and then it says, I guess it's kind of like a discrepancy, but while we know that Dumbledore has like sparkly blue eyes, they never give us a description of Ron's eyes. So they can't use that as like a bridge, I guess. But I mean, it's just all very weak. Okay. All very weak. So far, yes. But yeah. Very weak. So um, Dumbledore's other key characteristic is um, the scar on his left knee that looks like the London Underground. When Ron gets bitten by Sirius when he's in dog form in Prisoner of Azkaban, he gets damaged to his left leg. So I guess maybe uh, Sirius's teeth were shaped like the London Underground and it left <laughs> a scar. I don't know. As an animal professional... I can tell you that even if a dog has some seriously effed up teeth, they do not look like the London Underground. That would be like a magical mystery, okay? That would literally be like a stamp. <laughs> like, it would have to be like a grid for teeth. Like, what? But that's fine. Um, and then in the last chapter of Philosopher's Stone, Dumbledore tells Harry that he lost his taste for Bertie Botts' Every Flavor Beans after eating a vomit-flavored bean in his youth. Um, but basically, they're saying that that couldn't have been possible because Bertie Bot was born in 1935. And I guess Dumbledore was around before him, seeing as he's like 150 years old. And so essentially, they're thinking it's kind of like a Freudian slip where he tried one as time-traveling Ron and lost his taste for it. And I guess, I, I, don't, I don't even want to keep talking about it, to be honest with you but okay yeah uh they also bring up ron's clear hatred for the color maroon <laughs> and now now let me 
let me just really take a minute to have you guys really soak this in because they're not mentioning this because Dumbledore and Ron both hate the color maroon. They're mentioning it because <laughs> Dumbledore will eventually be marooned in time. And that's the connection that they're trying to make between Ron and Dumbledore. <laughs> you guys can't see Marianne, but she is serving looks, okay? And then lastly, <laughs> I'm really not trying to take up so much of your time. But <laughs> they mentioned that socks are a running theme throughout the series because... Yes, the mention of like three socks is a running theme throughout the seven books. But basically, they're saying that, you know, like obviously Dumbledore sees himself holding a pair of socks in the mirror of Erised, which is a lie, but whatever. And um, Ron like doesn't appreciate the socks that his mom gives him in Prisoner of Azkaban. So they're basically saying that when Ron Dumbledore is older, he's like, damn, I wish I would have appreciated those socks more. And that's why he sees them. In the mirror. I can't. I'm so sorry if you like this theory. I can't. But yeah. And then I guess the last, for real last point, because I forgot about this one. In Order of the Phoenix, Draco composes a lovely song, Weasley is Our King. And the person literally wrote, if that isn't foreshadowing, I don't know what is. And so one line in particular is given significance by Draco. He sings it like super loud at one of the games. I think one of the Quidditch games. And basically it's uh, born in a bin. And while Draco likes to make fun of Ron's poverty, the phrase has a double meaning. Bin is also a prefix meaning double or two, like binary. <laughs> so was Ron born twice? <laughs> is he leading a double life? <laughs> Is Draco trying to tell us something important? So that is the Ron Dumbledore theory, horribly summed up. And I don't know, like the last five minutes, it feels like I've been talking. So, oh, I have a lot of my. feelings, but I want to hear Marianne and God. I want to hear Elizabeth. I'm just, I'm going to quickly just like say a little thing. One, I'm sorry for anyone who does like this theory for what I'm about to say next. And two, listening to all of that just reminded me of my youth, <laughs> of being in PE as a child and playing on the jungle gym and what? looking at the handlebars and just reaching because <laughs> this entire this entire fan theory is just one big reach. Oh my god. Ah, thank you. Thank you for the I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was I just I tried to read it very monotone, very business like, but you just oh, really put oh. it out there, girl. Like I'm sorry. Oh I'm sorry. Binary? That <laughs> took like three years to explain. Draco Girl. Malfoy cracked the secret. <laughs> and he, he, put it, he put it in a song. This sounds like the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> it's the secret. It's the it's national it's national treasure. 
The Declaration of Independence. Someone All right. stole it. Coming at you this okay. summer, 2020. Nicholas the Cage is Al- Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> the Illuminati. Like what? Oh, oh my god. Okay. What? I have so- <laughs> there's so many ho- there's so many holes in this theory. Like so okay. many. But the glaring, <laughs> glaring hole to me. Besides, okay, let let's let's Let's, you know, let's give these people these facts, okay? Whatever. Let's give them these facts. What facts? That they have long fingers? (laughs) They happen to look the same. They like socks and Bernie Bot's beans and Draco Malfoy. That's it. That's the whole thing. Yes. I know that's the whole thing, but whatever. Let's say, let's say Ron is dumbledore and dumbledore is ron then who the heck are aberforth and ariana i don't know who are they (laughs) oh no i don't answer albus is adopted (laughs) who's like the real mom exactly which which one is the real like is it albus and then he time travels and he becomes young but then even when you time travel you don't just become young you just you exactly look like yourself so that means that Molly has to be the real mom, but then why do Aberforth and Albus literally look identical to each other, just different ages? But also, there's a really important part of time travel that's mentioned like a hundred thousand times in the books, and you're not supposed to see yourself because bad things could happen. So, obvi- I mean, part of this theory is that they like never really spend time together and they're never like alone in the same room and i'm like yeah but he would have seen himself in the freaking great hall when he came in to get sorted i was like this is just too much for me i'm really i'm really want to say another it's- apology to andrew because i literally cannot but i think my favorite part of that whole theory honestly like i think the farthest reach is like ron doesn't like maroon and albus is maroon <laughs> in time like what <laughs> This easily what? has to be like one of the worst theories. But also the socks. I mean, that's the just. Socks. Oh my God, the socks. The socks. Like, I, do people not understand? Like, okay, let's go off of the, the resemblance thing. Do people not understand that there's this thing called writer's bias? Yeah. And there's only so many different looking characters that JK Rowling can come up with in her head. Like, yeah. what she just probably knew a lot of people who were tall and skinny and therefore had a bias for writing characters who were taller and skinnier. But Elizabeth, and maybe- the, the socks. <laughs> God, I can't. I can't. I just don't understand why they're willing to like stake their whole theory on the fact that like Dumbledore is like, oh, I liked Birdie Bots, and he wasn't like born yet or whatever. It was like way before his time. But yeah, we're willing to accept that Minerva McGonagall was around in Fantastic Beasts. Like I, I cannot. No, no. And also going off of the the Birdie Bots. Sure, if Birdie Bots wasn't invented until the 1950s, yeah, Dumbledore would have probably been 100. But I'm sorry, but when you're 150 years old, anything 100 and younger is your youth. Youth is a relative term. Like right now, when I say my youth, I'm probably talking about like elementary or middle school. When I'm 60 and I talk about my youth, my youth will probably be my 20s and 30s. Yeah, I agree. Like youth is super relative. So that is not... That that's that no. No. Just no. no. I don't know. I feel like I say stuff like that all the time too. I'll be like, yeah, when I was younger, and it'll be like six years ago. 
I technically, yeah. I was younger. You might think I was yeah. a child, but no, no. It was just me in my early 20s. <laughs> exactly. I also will totally be like, the other day I was doing something, and I'll be talking about something I did five years ago. So with me, there's just like, there is no... Time is relative. Time is super Time is relative. Whenever you're talking to me. I guess Maybe we understand this more because we're Cuban, and like time just doesn't make sense to us. <laughs> like... We're always either over or under exaggerating time. Okay. We're never accurate. Yes. Honestly, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Wow, you're blo- like blowing my mind because now I feel like I've just been reduced to, to just like another Cuban when I really <laughs> thought I was being original the whole time. <laughs> but thank you. Like I don't live by stereotypes. <laughs> I really don't. But if I had to stereotype us... That would be yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. I literally have on several occasions been like the other day and then I'll be like, well, actually it was a year ago <laughs> and I have to like correct <laughs> myself, but it's fine. It's no problem. So yeah, I mean, I like the theory because it makes me laugh and it brought me like joy because it was so silly. But other than that, that's where it ends. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, moving on. So our next fan theory, this is one that I've kind of noticed, especially when we were doing a lot of research for Cursed or Cursed Child episodes. Um, our next fan theory is Cursed Child was actually written by Rita Skeeter. Obviously, kind of could be related to the one that was brought up earlier that J.K. Rowling was Rita Skeeter. Um, and a, a lot of, like, especially like H- HB Stan Twitter like this one just because it's like the only way they want to justify cursed childs. <laughs> okay. Like and and like kind of accept cursed child for what it is if it's just like a big hoax and Rita Skeeter was the one that wrote it, you know. I have two things very quickly. One, I live for Marianne constantly referencing HP Stan Twitter. HP Stan Twitter, <laughs> hear me roar! In a second, <laughs> I'm willing guys. to accept that Cursed Child was written by Rita Skeeter only if we accept what Raul said about Rita Skeeter being a terrible writer. And then everyone <laughs> would come together and it would make sense. Yes. That's it. That's my, that is my two cents on this theory. <laughs> I have nothing else to contribute. Again, I think it's just a little far-fetched just because there were three people involved in writing. I mean, there could be other editors. Like, Rita Skeeter probably worked with other people on the Daily Prophet, right? Maybe. So it could just be other, like, crazy peeps. Crazy peeps. Crazy peeps. (laughs) All right. Uh, This, uh, our next theory um, is kind of like a, a, a... a weird one. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but a, but a uh, cool, I think I think it's kind of cool. Okay. Uh, it's a theory that the wizards of the wizarding world have already had a war with muggles and lost. And <laughs> this is why the wizarding world is the way that it is. So I find it interesting because some of these arguments have a little bit of merit and made me question some things. So, like, if you think about the rules that the Wizarding World and especially the Ministry of Magic have, Mm -hmm. they're a little weird. And when we go into the fourth book, it's revealed to us that, you know, the the prime. I'm not thinking the Minister of Magic had (laughs) to ask what you were gonna say. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm getting confused. Too many ministers. Okay. There's just but the Minister of Magic, I know, (laughs) had to ask permission 
from the prime minister or at least like notify him like, hey, we're bringing dragons into the country. Like why, if they were really two separate entities, like why would he have to let him know? And we kind of see it again in um, when, you know, Voldemort comes back to life. It seems like it's it's a regular occurrence that the minister of magic has to regularly check in with the prime minister, but it's never indicated that the prime minister ever has to regularly update the minister of magic. Like we don't see that part. And I have to so that's like one. Can we can we just go like thought by thought here before I forget? Thought them? by thought? Yeah. yeah. So here here's your thought. So my first thought, thought is like, why would the prime minister have to check in with the minister of magic? Like we all live in the same world, but only one side knows about the other. So obviously the wizards know about the muggles. So why would the muggles have to check in with the wizards? Yeah. The other one is like, I think it's a great thing that we notify them or that whatever the wizards notify about dragons. Like, I feel like it's just a common courtesy sort of thing. Yeah. I think it's more so of like a diplomatic, um, uh, like it's a a diplomatic relationship where Mm -hmm. like two governments are speaking to one another. And we do know like um, that at least just from the, the, uh, the facts that we've gotten about like Malfoy history, that the Malfoys kind of always were attached to government yeah. officials that were muggles. So I think they were not the only ones. I think in British uh, magic and muggle history, they've kind of always worked together and they're just kind of in a unique situation that they do work with one another. Yeah. Um, but also, but, keep, but I want to, I want to, I want to hear more of what, I have one maybe more I don't know it ties more things. Yes, wasn't go Jenny. International statute of secrecy like a thing? Like wasn't one of the driving forces safety? Like maybe they're just trying to keep muggles safe, so they're gonna update them about like important dangers yeah. that might be happening, so that the prime minister can then deal with it accordingly, and yeah. they don't risk mm-hmm. that world being exposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that's there's definitely explanations for this for that first mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Um, the second point is actually calling into question the name itself ministry of magic mm-hmm. um that 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 this rule that this government it doesn't really have like the sound of a government especially because the head of the government is called minister of magic and that's kind of they're they're pulling the comparison of we don't call the president the president of america or and the prime minister is just called i know i don't know what this person was talking about <laughs> like yeah we do um and then like the prime minister is just you know the prime minister of britain like that that's just what they're called and they're kind of thinking and the they go more into detail that you know where where did this government come from how is the minister of magic appointed it doesn't seem like there's any elections being held is it just like a totalitarian type of ministry where like just people are chosen for these roles and there's not like a, a voice from the rest of the witches and wizards, which it's what it seems yeah, like. Yeah, I think that's what it is. At least from what limited knowledge we're given. Yeah, like when when Scrimmageor became Minister of Magic, it didn't seem like he was voted into the position. And if he was, it seems like it's this very like like the the wizardman got like is my like best idea that that they like appoint these people, but then Mm-mm. who gave Wisman got their power. And sometimes it seems like the Wisman got has more power than the ministry. Is that how you say it? Or is no. it Wisman Gamut? 
It's whizzing. Whizzing gamut. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm Whatever. sticking to Elizabeth. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> it's fine, and that's how I read it, so that's how I pronounce it. <laughs> so that's just one of their other points, and. <laughs> He goes on to say that one of the most compelling pieces of evidence for this theory is that wizards are generally lame nowadays, are the words that he uses. What? And so he goes on to to describe that, like, Dumbledore obviously is very powerful. Voldemort is very powerful. But in comparison to the Peverils, to the Hogwarts founders, to Merlin, seems like a little diminished, that power, apparently. Um, what? Yeah. First of all, you know, I'm just not having it. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of my statement. That's the tweet. I'm just not having nope. it. Yeah. So, you know, apparently powerful wizards of this day, like they, they are not allowed, at least it seems like to accomplish the great things that wizards of olden days were allowed to accomplish. And it seems like there's like this, like, limit that they can reach um and i think it also has to do with the whole like wizards having to go into secret um and so they're saying that like kind of like muggles have like squashed that it's i'm like not summarizing it well (laughs) but basically they're basically saying that the ministry strictly regulates what wizards can and cannot do and that's why when people like Voldemort come around obviously it's a big issue one because he's killing people and two because he's like threatening the the revelation of wizards to the muggle world and that's like a very 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 strict no-no but they're saying it's a strict no-no because the muggles have decided it's so like the muggles kind of basically hold dominion yeah, like the muggles are the ones like controlling. Like if they're saying like if wizards are really as powerful as they say that they are, then why aren't they the most powerful power? Oh my god, I'm so in tired of this narrative. They can just be nice people. They could just be doing a nice thing. They could just be thinking of other people. Like, ugh, I'm over this theory. I think we might get our answers in the Fantastic Beast series. Maybe. Maybe. I don't, I just, like, so what? Like, what if wizards just really did decide as a, uh, as a people, as a group, that protecting muggles was, like, a good and noble thing to do? I mean, they did. That's they the did. whole international statute of Why secrecy. Why can't we just be, like, living in Canada? Like, it's not hard to believe. <laughs> Shout out to our Canadian listeners. Yeah, actually, for real, there's a lot of you. Hi. But I'm just saying, Hi. like come on people can't be altruistic like the world is just power and greed and like what come on i'm done i'm over this i mean like i i kind of get where like the mindset of this person is coming from because like if anything of history shows us it is like the thing that power dominates and that's what world history is is whichever is the strongest power is a power that's dominating Mm -hmm. and it's weird that wizards can very well be the strongest power and they're not dominate well that's kind of believe that they're just sitting out there with all their wands and they're just letting like our government tell them what to do and then it's like which governments have power like does the president of the united states control everything that happens with american wizards Mm -hmm. like do they just control makuza separately from like the british government controlling 
like the Ministry of Magic. Like this is just very complicated. Is it different I, yeah. in different areas of the world? I have questions. <laughs> I can see like where this person's coming from, but I think it's this theory might have been conjured before Fantastic Beasts, and I think it was. And I think that's what Fantastic Beasts kinds of argues and and goes into is that argument of we are the most powerful. Why aren't we the ones that are? Are holding dominion and i think we'll get our answers through it like yeah. i i really yeah. do think yeah. uh, this theory yeah. is five years old yeah so i'm over it, it it's been out there for for a hot for a minute while. next i really didn't like that one <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next one just to give everyone a preview i thought this like way back when like, I had this idea in my head, and I thought I was so cool for having this, like, totes original thought. And then, like, I opened up the internet, and I was like, so many Somebody people else. also think this. <laughs> I was so mad because I thought I had, like, finally found something all on my own. Uh, but thousands of people agree with me. <laughs> Marianne. Unoriginal, Jenny. Yeah. So, Unoriginal. So the fans... <laughs> The fan theory that Jenny's talking about is that the Dursleys were under the effect of the Horcrux. How smart so, am I? How smart am I? It's cool. <laughs> it's definitely a cool idea. Um, I'll explain it, what it is, and then why I don't really agree with it. I don't really um, agree with it either, but it was a thought that crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, so the basically the idea that they argue about this is that Harry, we all know, fi we find out that Harry is a Horcrux. And just from what we've seen with other Horcruxes is that when you're around them for a long period of time, um, you kind of, it brings out the worst in you. And that basically since Harry is a Horcrux, it's kind of to assume that he brought out the worst in the Dursleys. And that's why the Dursleys treated him so poorly. But the reason why I would disagree about that is just because the, then you can argue with that with the rest of you know Harry's life outside of the Dursleys you know in his Hogwarts years I mean take a look at the characters like Neville and Ron and Dean and um, Seamus who all lived with within his dormitory uh, during his Hogwarts years for you know what like six years and we didn't see anything like that happen with them. I mean, yes, they all had their kind of moments with Harry. But then you can argue the same thing with other members of the Gryffindor house. You can argue it for other people at Hogwarts in general. Like that. And and even then, like, I think the Dursleys were always kind of not yeah. good people. And, and like, it would have to... It, it it would have to say like that that theory would have to say that it takes a few years for it to put into effect and i don't think that's the case i think they were like we see they were always mistreating harry since harry arrived on their doorstep so how can like it doesn't really add up thoughts yeah so when when you first hear this theory, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, nice. like that totally makes sense. But then like when you dissect it, you're like, mm, no, because even just looking at Joe's writings on Pottermore and now Wizarding World, you see that like at least Vernon was a piece of trash from the moment Petunia met him. Yeah. Like he was just like that type of person, and that's just the way the world worked. Did they probably treat him? A little bit worse because of Horcrux, maybe, but also Harry was 
the symbolism of everything that Vernon and Petunia hated, and now they were being forced to care for him, like, that in itself leads to the way that they treated him, not the Horcrux. So, Mm -hmm. not a fan. That's what I was going to say. Like, they already... I mean, they give us glimpses of their life prior to Harry being in it. Like, we've, we've spoken on the podcast before about, like, Petunia and Vernon's first date and what life was like before that happened. They were already trash people. But also, it got me thinking about the fact that Ginny spends a lot of time with a Horcrux. And obviously, she gets possessed and does horrible things. But in the times where she's not being possessed and the Horcrux is still around her, she's not acting, like, angry or violent or aggressive. She's more, like, worried and scared which I don't think is a product of that diary, like having that effect on her. I think it would have shown more like how it was with the locket for the trio when they were on the move. So I just think, I mean, it just seems like it's kind of inconsistent how poor yeah. and different people react to them. But I just, I don't think that it's true, but... I did have the thought when I originally found out that Mm -hmm. Harry was a Horcrux. Like when you start putting those pieces together, I'm like, yeah, oh my God. But then you think about it and I don't really think. Yeah. It's a a very good, like superficial theory that like, you know, that we would love to explain why these humans were pieces of trash, but I think they were. But also Dudley has that kind of change of heart where he's a little more welcoming towards Harry or whatever. And obviously he's still a Horcrux. So it doesn't explain that really either. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next one, which is one that kind of like I found right after I had just finished reading um, Deathly Hallows for the first time back in the day. And I heard this one and it really broke my heart. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. Because I this this theory, I think, makes me sadder. Than the possible fan theory of like there being a wizarding world and I'm not a part of it. Like this fan theory that I'm about to say makes me sadder. Um, If sadder is a word, maybe it's more sad. I don't know. Grammar, what is it? Anyways, so the fan theory that uh, our next fan theory is that Harry Potter imagined the whole thing. That the wizarding world doesn't exist. And this kid has just been so emotionally and physically tormented and tortured to the point that in order to escape his life, he's dreamt of this entire world as he's been living basically under the stairs. And no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, I would rather I would rather be in a world where the wizarding world exists and I'm just a stupid nomad. Like, absolutely not. Nope. Nope. That's all I got to say. I don't care what evidence you bring up to me. No. No. I think we should stop talking about it now because I'm sad. Yeah. I No, like, I'm literally, like, on the edge of tears. Oh, like, my God, Elizabeth. <laughs> absolutely not. No. Oh, move no. on into happier. Like, no, no, don't waste your tears on, on it because on. it doesn't exist. Like, yeah. No, no, I know. But, like, it, it, from, like, a genuine like concern i want to check in on the person who invented this theory because like that had to come from like a really dark place and so i want to make sure that they're okay and like you know what is what is like their their home situation like like do they need help do they need to be taken out of their home situation i am genuinely concerned nope it doesn't exist no need to cry or fret or worry because it doesn't this this fan theory is negatory sir Next. Okay, next. Not about it. Next is um, I don't know. I can go or Elizabeth can go. What do we want to do? We should end on a happy note, right? 
All right, so I'll go first. Jenny, you do you, and then I'll do happy. Yeah. Okay, so my pin is going to be unpinned, but we were talking (gasps) about Crookshanks earlier, and this really isn't – I didn't delve super deep into the theory, but I thought it was just kind of a cool thought, and some of it makes sense. So we know that the Black family names um, peeps after stars. Yes. And so we know that Sirius was named after a star in Canis Major, I believe, and his animagus form is a dog – but Regulus is a star in a Leo constellation, which is a cat. <gasps> and there's a famous cat in this book named Crookshanks, who happens to be BFFs with Sirius the dog. And so there's basically this fan theory that Regulus never really died, but somehow, some way, I guess, he got stuck into being Crookshanks. And he took up a shop at Diagon Alley because it would give him, like, the perfect way to keep an ear out for any word about his brother. And then, boom, right as his brother escapes in the third book, he gets adopted by Hermione and then finds him and they hang out together. And it just makes me happy. So I wanted to bring Aww. it up. And I really want to say that I firmly believe that it is true. You know what? I really want this to be true. Like, that would be, like, nice that Regulus, like, didn't die. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's still, like, a sad aspect to it because Sirius still never knew that it was Regulus. Yeah. yeah. And, like, so he never, like, got that closure. But, I mean, if Regulus couldn't tell him and couldn't, like, escape his Crookshanks form, I understand. Or maybe he couldn't tell him for, like, his safety. And so that means... That, that makes Regulus even more sacrificial that he decided to not tell his brother and have his brother continue hating him. And it's even sadder. But also, like, even, like, I mean, I don't know. I just think about all the times that, like, Crookshanks, like, went back to the to the house, like, grim old place, and he was just, like, up in there, like, his child at home with his big brother, and I just get sad. But it's also kind of happy. But I also have the same questions as I did when we discussed the Lily Potter as Crookshanks thing, like, how did he get stuck as half measle? Like, I just, yeah. I have questions, but I don't know. I just really liked it. And I thought the the name from the stars was like a really good tie-in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I like it. Wow. One of the few fan theories that we've discussed that I'm like, I'll accept. I'll accept. I like. All right. So tell us yours. Um, So this is like, uh, this is actually one of my personal favorite th- fan theories. It doesn't directly apply to like the plot or like any major characters in harry potter it is all about hashtag multi-fandom and it is that mary poppins is a wizard from hogwarts what i've i love this theory and there is so much merit behind it i'm gonna delve right in tell us so basically we don't hear about her in like our main story obviously because you know, Mary Poppins was around in, like, the first, like, World War. That is way before the time of Voldemort and Harry. So this is why we don't hear about someone named Mary Poppins. And, um, you know, the theory goes on to say that her wand is probably in her umbrella, like Hagrid's. And she has a levitation charm on the umbrella that helps her fly in and out of the, you know, the the picture. Um Her bag has the undetectable extension charm, just like Hermione's. And that's why she can pull everything magical out of her bag. So those are like more of like the obvious ones. Mm, I'm like, but then uh, it goes into detail of like, you know, she probably isn't 
mentioned or is really famous in the wizarding world because of her strong association with muggles. As you can tell, she really likes muggles and especially children. But it also goes further into saying like there's a reason why she's never been like discovered by doing magic in front of muggles because she strictly only does her magic in front of children and children. Whenever you explain magic to parents, parents will always write it off as being their crazy imagination. So she gets away with not doing magic in front of muggles. But then you're like, Oh wait, what about her uncle Albert? Her uncle Albert is most likely a wizard as well. And then you're like, Oh, but wait, what about Bert? What about that lovely chimney sweep? What about him? He is most likely a squib, and that explains why he is never shocked or surprised whenever she does any magic, and it also explains why he has to pick up all these odd jobs to make any type of money, because if he was a squib, he probably wouldn't have gone to real muggle school, he wouldn't have gone to Hogwarts, and therefore wouldn't really have an education to further his career. So... I just really like this series. That one's just cute. I really like it too. It's cute. I don't know anything about Mary Poppins. What? Have you not no. seen Mary Poppins? What? 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 I don't know why Excuse? this is new information for you. This is new information for us. Mary Poppins is a classic. A huge classic. Why Julie are you Andrews. you? Like, hello. I've never seen anything. No, this must oh. be fixed. Fixed. Oh my God. <laughs> What? Wow. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim tree. A sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. Nope. What? Weren't Let's... you and Super Pally in high school? Yes. <laughs> Let's go fly a kite up oh. till the highest height. Hey, what? You're, you're yelling cried. You're you yelling never, stuff at me. I don't know what you're saying. You've never cried at feed the birds. Top it. Oh I've never even top heard it, that song. Top it. Top it. I know. This has to be rectified. Rectified. Wow. Oh my God, relax. It's Mary Poppins. You were. You literally performed supercalifragilisticexpialidocious yeah. at our thespian drama state competitions. I did. I had the shirt and everything. What? And I can still sing it. No what? words. Couldn't what? Couldn't tell you where it came from. Oh. Rectified. Okay. Well, everyone who listens to the Broom Chicks, this is the end of our episode because we need to go and make sure Jenny whoa, watches whoa, 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 Mary Poppins. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> we got to cut this. Closing statements are my duty. <laughs> Don't step on my toes. I will from now, from from now on Elizabeth is Mary Poppins. We need to watch Mary Poppins and you need to watch Mary Poppins Returns. Yes. Done. Okay, whatever. Which is the Mary Poppins and returning? Is that the one with Emily Blunt or whatever? Yes. Yes. I'll watch that. And Lynn Manuel Miranda. It was actually Ooh, really good. It was. It's super cute. Multi You won't get your outro until you see it. Oh my god. Well, I have to do the outro now and I haven't seen it. So because I performed in a thespian competition with one of their songs, I'll take this outro. Okay. That's it for today, kids. <laughs> Remember to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at the Three Broom Chicks. And you can also follow us on Twitter at the number three broom chicks. 
and go like our Facebook page, The Three Broom Chicks, and make sure to catch us next time because our next episode, we are welcoming Pride Month. We stand with our LGBTQ plus friends and family, and we will do a special episode honoring them and all the ways that LGBTQ has been honored and slandered in the Harry Potter universe. Hey, let's get a little political. Hashtag political memes. I miss saying that. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, we are the Three Broom Chicks. And Ron is not Dumbledore.